Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And then, ah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the bright one. Here we go. Three, two, one. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. It's bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show. And uh, I am going to allow uh, my guest, who's a regular, not just in the Ben Jarofsky Show, but in my life, uh, to introduce himself. And he, like he did last time, he's going to quote a poem or a song. Uh, I can't remember what he did last time, and he probably can't remember either. But anyway, uh, bonus guest, introduce yourself. My name is Mick Dumkey. I am a friend of the of Ben Jarofsky and the Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, that's that's sort of and like, a reporter at ProPublica. That, that's let's get that in there, huh? Get the employer in there. <laughs> yeah, Mick. Gotta get it in there. Gotta do our promotions. Uh, and no poem today, huh? Menenae de thea peleadus Achilleus ulomenen. Whoa, look at the brain on Brad. Where did that come from? Sing goddess of the destructive wrath of Achilles, Achilles, son of Peleus, which has caused much grief for the Greeks. Something like that. You should have just said absolutely anything. I I feel so dumb right now. (laughs) Well, you ought to, okay? Uh, That was the first line of the Iliad. Yes, I I knew that, and so did Dennis. Uh, (laughs) All right, now let's go from the Iliad to marijuana. Uh, when uh, we have a whole list of things that Mick Dumkey and I want to talk about today. Uh, but wait, before we go to marijuana, reefer, cannabis, whatever, uh, everybody, Tuesday, July 2nd, first Tuesdays at the hideout, we're going to do something a little differently, aren't 6:30 we? 6.30 p.m. Oh, I can't forget that The hideout part. is 1354 West Wabanzia. Can't forget that part Right either. by the uh, former city fleet yard that has since been devastated and sold to sterling bay mm-hmm. for probably less than it was worth there's always a that whole thing. other story in fact right. tim tutton sent me a e- probably sent you the same email because he sends generally sends the emails to you and me of, of uh about that about the price tim tutton of the hideout owner but the price anyway uh that's a, a story for another day we'll be doing a show we'll be talking politics just the two of us on stage. That's something. right. We haven't done this before. We've been doing this show for, what do we figure, five years five now? Five years, yeah. Five years. And um, we've always had another guest, join, at least one other guest, join us mm-hmm. to help uh, move the conversation along. So we figured we do this on the radio. We do this in our own <laughs> private time all the time, yeah. just going off on the phone. Let's just uh, do the two of us, yeah. and we're going to, uh, this is where it gets really exciting for those of you out there who are contemplating coming. You don't just have to come to listen to Ben and I talk to each other. We're going to ask audience questions yeah. from the beginning. We're yeah. going to solicit your questions, your your take on things. I think Ben and I will have a list of topics to discuss Um 
we'll throw out there. We'll get your input, but stuff that you want to talk about, we'll be open to that too. So I think it'll be a lot of fun. Ben. Yeah. It'll be, uh, be something different anyway. No, no guests, uh, Mick and myself, we can talk a lot. That's for certain. Uh, and we have a whole list of items we're going to start with today. We're going to start with number one on the list. I call it reefer. Everybody laughs at me when I say it and you go, yeah, you must be really old to call it reefer. Uh, Mick Dumkey and I have been writing about marijuana uh, for how many, this is 2019, I want to say at least nine years. I may be off a year or two. Uh, and just last week, Governor Pritzker signed uh, the law that makes uh, marijuana legal, recreational marijuana legal in the state of Illinois come January 1st, right? Make so no smoking until January 1st, all right? That's right. Don't, um, uh, every, don't. Everyone's waiting to light up till then. Yeah, I think that um, you and I separately touched a little bit on the politics of propo- then proposals to uh, implement some kind of medical marijuana program, probably 2009, 2010, mm-hmm. um, when even that seemed like such a heavy lift that it might not get done. I think uh, the sponsors of that, the proponents of, of medical marijuana tried three times before they got that over the finish line. So I think we started talking about that. And then we started to really investigate who was being arrested and prosecuted for marijuana possession, the misdemeanor marijuana possession, the lowest level offense in the drug war. We started to look very closely at at that whole system, who was being affected by it. And that was 2011 and uh, just kept at it. And I think you and I were chatting before we started taping here. We're both just kind of breathtaking. Our, our breath is kind yeah. of taken away when we stop and think about just eight years ago, we were pretty much the only people in this area, in the media writing about this stuff. Yeah. Some, some other reporters even made fun of us yeah. for writing about it so much um, <laughs> as if we were just doing it for our own self-interest. Yeah. And we could hardly find any elected officials or anyone in government who would go on the record to talk about it. Yeah. No, I, and I, I remember, and I, I remember that moment, uh, I'm a guy, I've told the story so many times, but, uh, riding my bike down Lincoln Avenue and, uh, all these kids were parading to, I forget what the peace fest, peace fest. In, in Lincoln park. And they're just openly smoking reefer right there on the street corner. And uh, shortly thereafter, Mick and I began to do this exploration. It was really my first uh, uh, view of the criminal justice system. I had never covered the courthouse. I've always been attracted to City Hall and not the courthouse. You were kind of both. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, and Romana, who comes in the show every Friday, uh, your wife, uh, it was a courthouse reporter. So I always leaned on people like you guys to explain things to me, like how the criminal system works. And But to see it firsthand when we did the marijuana story and to go to various courthouses throughout the city of Chicago, neighborhood branches, and just see the parade of black kids being brought before the judges uh, on possession, minor possession charges, was really upsetting to me. Uh, particularly in light of what I just saw on the street corner of um, Lincoln Avenue and Armitage, I think it was, or maybe it was Webster. And it just brought it home, Mick, that there was such a hypocrisy about marijuana in our country because it was so pervasive in, in mainstream culture and white people smoked it all the time. They just were cavalier about how they smoked it. They, 
never even it's in the movies it, it's in literature it's everywhere yeah but not only was it illegal not and uh but black people in just in mass being brought before judges uh, they didn't have money they'd get arrested they get hell they had money to pay for bail it was sort of like exhibit a of everything that was wrong and unfair and wasteful about our criminal justice system and our war on drugs and i um i just felt possessed to write about it and you and i we did write quite a few stories we wrote a lot about we it. wrote yeah. a lot of stories about it and in the insane in the middle of it, i don't know if you remember this we did a story about this insane prosecution it's coming back to me now yeah um this teacher remember this story where the teacher was busted by the cook county states uh no the cook county uh, sh- sheriffs for sheriff's police sheriff's police for trying what were they doing they were trying to grow they were going to put a grow house together or something yeah there was there were two Two teachers. Two one teachers. was a um, one was uh, an instructor at uh, UIC. The other was a uh, Chicago Public Schools librarian. And I came across just a little blurb in the newspaper. It was just like a, a one or two paragraph story about two educators arrested on charges that they were trying to set up a marijuana grow house. And I was intrigued. I was intrigued about all that. So you and I started looking into it. And it turned out these two teachers had, um, well, it turned out what had happened was the sheriff's, it's more important to tell the story from the vantage point of the sheriff's police because the teachers and and who they are, um, and we went through a whole uh, thing about whether we're going to use their names and all sorts of stuff. It was sort of like a a difficult process in terms of um, these people were, were out there in public. They had been in a public courtroom um, going through a prosecution process. Their names had been out there. And so as journalists, should we use their names, even though our story was really not about them? It was about this system of going after people for, uh, for on marijuana charges. Yeah. And they were basically an example of it. And so what it was our ethical duty to be transparent because they're already, their names have already been in the newspaper. Their names have already been on TV. Um, we couldn't very well undo that stuff. Yeah. So we did use their names, but you and I are both somewhat pained about it because we acknowledge the story wasn't really about them. It was, it was about this system. So getting back to the narrative, what we found was sheriff's police had basically set up a stakeout outside some legal businesses, including, um, as I remember at one in Albany park, that was basically like a, a brew your own, grow your own kind of place. It was a place that sold supplies. If you wanted to uh, make your own beer at home or potentially if you wanted to grow certain kinds of plants, um, perfectly legal supply store, they weren't selling anything that was, uh, that was illegal that we know of, but the sheriff, sheriff's office had devoted resources to staking this place out and they saw uh, two guys buying equipment that looked like could be used to grow marijuana at home and they basically followed them and um, long story short Ben it it felt to us like they were sort of making this into like a cartel case when it was a couple of um, nice but somewhat bumbling individuals trying to figure out how they could grow some high quality weed mm-hmm. and uh, they had tried to set up this grow house in a um, unassuming neighborhood on the far southeast corner of, of the city yeah. mm-hmm. and um, 
when I eventually went down there knocking on doors in the neighborhood, the irony of it was, this was, again, how bumbling the individuals were, um, whom I, I grew to like quite a bit as, as, as people, but you know, they, they set up their grow house operation just to give you an idea of the level of sophistication. Their neighbors on both sides were police officers. Yeah. One, or maybe the guy across the street <laughs> yeah. was a Chicago cop. And the guy on the other side was like a, a police officer for the great lakes Naval station or something like that. So it was like, they pretty much did everything they could to get caught. Um, not very sophisticated, but the sheriff's, police had devoted resources to following these people and they did a whole investigation. They staked out their homes and, and made a big case out of it. And, uh, we, the people spent money to prosecute this case, which ended in, I believe, um, either dismissal of charges or I think it was an acquittal of the, of the librarian. And then there was a uh, conviction with the penalty of probation what for, for the individual. So it's basically a slap on the what, wrist. Yeah. And, and, and these two things were uh, first-time encounters for me with the criminal justice system. One was going with you to the, all these neighborhood courts uh, scattered throughout the city and watching the procession of young black people, mostly black men, uh, being paraded before a judge, uh, slapped on the wrist after having been held in jail for a couple of days because they couldn't post bond. Right. And uh, for having possession of a joint or two, it was always a minor amount. And then this larger case that went on forever. And I recall that there was one continuation after another. And it, this was my first encounter again with the criminal justice system. Like, I hope I never have another one. Uh, and just everything about it, Mick, was like going through the, um, and now it's coming back. It's haunting me. The memory is going through into the lobby uh, at a state in California where you have to go through the metal detector test yeah. and I, I always screwed up somehow or other. You brought a, you brought a tin of Altoids <laughs> in that I believe resulted in a um, near something akin to a strip search because yes. uh, you set off the alarms. Oh and then, yeah, and then the courtroom, we were in the courtroom of Stanley Sachs, oh, who was uh, to call Judge Sachs irascible is polite. I he was uh, taken off the bench for a time to um, deal with anger issues. Um, and then, and then, like, uh, just everything. Like, I was sitting once in the courthouse in the room, and I was reading a newspaper. Put that newspaper away. That's right. Put the phone away. And everybody's so mean and nasty. And it's just like, oh, my God, this is just a barbaric system. And. Thank God I've been protected from it, but then I'd be like so aware of my privilege, you know, that I Absolutely. had that I've not the system just did not take me and throw me through it. And I could never understand. I remember saying this all the time. I, I do not understand why this judge puts up with this stupid case. It's such a waste of time. Just get rid of this case. There's one continuation after another. Just quit the who cares? Uh, that they were trying to grow reefer. And I remember, I think it was the judge at one point gave a speech or a lecture uh, that it's, uh, it's not, I can't, it's not up to me whether the law is just or not, uh, but I have to play by the law. If the county board president wants to decriminalize marijuana or something, yeah. Because at that time, Tony uh, Preckwinkle yes. had um, made what was then really like uh, very big news and very bold news when uh, she and the county board decided they were no longer, and with the sheriff's office, they were no longer going to pick people up. She had called for the complete decriminalization of of marijuana. Let's give her credit. Let's give her credit. Give her credit. Uh, well before this was a popular yes. thing. And 
Then the county board in turn, in conjunction with the sheriff's office, basically said they were no longer going to um, arrest people for marijuana possession in unincorporated areas of Cook Mm -hmm. County. Um, And so, you know, those were, that was like 2011, I believe, 2012. And those are incredibly bold moves at that time. I, I, and I have this problem and then you know, this Mick knows me very well. Uh, when I see something that I think is wrong or unjust or irrational or absurd or all of the above, I have very little patience with it. On the other hand, I'll write about it obsessively. <laughs> it's a weird combination of something. We could go through a few topics where that's <laughs> happened. Yeah. I know there's like five I can think of right off the hand. Like this is so crazy. Uh, and I, I, I was almost make, like I expect people to end it right now because I just discovered That's it, right. you know, yeah. and I'm usually coming to something late. I realized there was a whole movement to legalize reefer for years and I just stumbled upon it like 2010 or at, whatever. At one point in time you said, you know, this is well-trod turf yeah. and it was, we were certainly not the first people to talk about these injustices with uh, marijuana arrests or the war on drugs. Generally, there've been millions of words written about it, but um, around here, people hadn't done it, at least not in a long time, at least not in any kind of systematic fashion. And so it was, um, it was very interesting. I actually, one time I was at a, an event I was following around or Gary McCarthy had some sort of, Big uh, Mac. for Big Mac had a, <laughs> had a, an event. He was, uh, it was like a West side peace march or something. Yeah. It was kind of staged uh, for media purposes. And we were asking him questions afterward. And I was asking him about, would uh, would the city stop uh, arresting people for marijuana? Was that even in the works? Because at that point in time, we had applied quite a bit of pressure. We were trying to get um, get them on the record about what they thought. And afterward, another reporter jokingly basically said, Mick Dumpke trying to make the world safe for potheads. Yeah. And, and I laughed, a bunch of us laughed at it. But that was sort of the thinking is that, you know, this was some sort of pet issue of ours and we were trying to make the world safe for potheads when we both thought that this was a real, uh, a legitimate issue of say, of justice. Yeah, well, there is that. It's a whole other uh, conversation, which we'll have another time. Uh, the attitude about that for writers who get ahead of an issue and won't let it go and how the rest of the media views them and it's not just me uh but i know there's some great reporters in this town who've done the same thing and i recognize it when they're doing it and i applaud them when they're doing it because i truly believe mick there's such a limited amount of power we have as journalists um that if we don't double down triple down quadruple down if we don't put it all our energy on it the problem won't go away because it going back to marijuana the level of denial that I confronted and you confronted at that time, and people would go off the record. Could we go off the record? Okay, okay we go off the record. Ben, I, uh, I, I love it, uh, smoking reefer as much as the next guy. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I love it, man. Cheese and chung. <laughs> yeah, even worse than that, people would go off the record to say that they had never smoked marijuana, but yeah, right. I, I think it should be decriminalized yeah, yeah. or legalized. I didn't even want to say that. So it's like, I mean, dude, why are you off the record? You know what I mean? Like, but yeah, the, they were was, so afraid. Well, there's a larger problem with the Democratic Party, Mick. They're afraid. They don't have the courage of their convictions.
predictions. Now, this is me really going here. But this is another example of it. The Democrats were so afraid of being labeled soft on crime that they wouldn't champion uh, the issue of, of fighting the inequity of it all. They, you know what I mean? They wouldn't stand up. And, uh, give her credit, Tony Preckwinkle was passing out copies of Michelle Alexander's That's book. Right. We went to an interview in her yeah. office and she pulled it off the shelves and read parts of it to us. This is back in 2010, ladies and gentlemen, way before it was a totally different Tony Preckwinkle in many ways than the one who ran for mayor. But to her credit, she was way ahead of the curve on that. There were a few other politicians. We'll get to them in a, in a little while. But part of the frustration for me was the inability uh, the, the the lack of courage on so many of our elected officials. They just did not know what spin to put on it, so they didn't want to talk. about It's really somewhat similar uh, to the Kim Fox situation right now, Mick, which uh, with Justice Small, I talk about it all the time with Romana, which is on the show. So I'll spare you a Kim Fox thing. But so many people in the early days would come into the studio, Ben, don't ask me about Kim Fox. Because they hadn't figured out yeah. how they should respond. You get you know what I'm saying, Mick? What's the good, right. like, what's the talking point that they should have? Where, where should I be in this? issue instead of where are you on yeah, this issue? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, and it, the other thing I think um it is notable a few of the people who did start to talk a little bit about it, um, a lot of them saw the whole thing through. I mean, Kelly Cassidy was one of the first Casey. people she she appeared at one of the first press conferences about this after we've been reporting on it. Um Christian Mitchell was at um some of those early those early events and he spoke out on some of the, maybe not the first round of stories we did, um, but it took Christian a little while, a little, but I, not, not that long. Not yeah, that no, long. He was, he's better than most. He, yeah. And you know, and, and obviously he's a uh, deputy governor yeah. now and was, um, it sounds like instrumental in working on this from the governor's office point of view. So let's give credit to those. Um, and you know, I think we have to give credit to John Fritchie. Yeah, let's give old boy Fritchie credit. For, yeah. Former Cook County commissioner, John Fritchie, uh, was the one person we found who would consistently go on the record talking about yes. this. And he didn't just say we should stop arresting people. He actually broached the subject of legalization, I think, as far back as 2011. Mm -hmm. Well, he, as I recall, uh, we I remember an interview the three of us had, and I I think it was at Mitchell's, the old Mitchell's restaurant on uh, Clybourne That's Avenue. Right. I'm coming back, the memories are flooding. Uh, and he was cautious and concerned in those days that if you legalize recreational marijuana, somehow or other it would hurt. Uh, if you made a push to legalize re uh, recreational marijuana, as they say, I love that recreational, <laughs> like you're out <laughs> running in the park, <laughs> recreational, uh, I'm going to play volleyball and smoke reefer, uh, uh, that somehow or other would undercut the uh, effort to get medical marijuana through. That was his, his concern. Uh, but then he had a press conference. Mick, help me out with this. Your memory is well, always Well, Lou Lang definitely had that point of view. I actually don't remember that from Fritchie oh, as yeah. much. Lou Lang, who was- State representative, sta Lou Former Lang. state rep. Lou Lang, who was um, the chief architect and advocate in the in the, the General Assembly for the medical marijuana program, he um, I remember talking to him about medical marijuana, and he said uh, when we when I brought up recreational use, he said he didn't want to go there because he was very focused on medical stuff, mm -hmm. um, which was interesting and another 
on another level. Yeah. That was a different kind of politics. But yeah, you were starting to tell this very interesting yeah, story Fritchie, yeah. about John Fritchie, who the county um, board commissioner, and in in response to our stories, um, called a press conference where he was going to, I, I believe he was going to propose the complete decriminalization or some kind of decriminalization plan for marijuana possession, small time marijuana possession. And um, again, now this, it seems like this is such a little, almost inconsequential thing, but this was a big deal then. And where he was going to basically say, stop arresting people. Let's set up a, a ticketing program. Um, and as we put it, the press conference was bogarted. <laughs> That's right, Bogarty, man. <laughs> he, he had gathered a couple other officials there. Do you remember who the other officials were? Uh, that he put it. They were Cook County board members, weren't they not? I think a couple. I think he got a couple aldermen. He got a couple aldermen to show up? I remember who I remember who crashed the press conference. Yes, we'll get to that in a second. I cannot remember who he got. Uh, who did he get? The I believe he got former alderman Richard Mel to appear at the press conference. <laughs> What's up, Alderman Mel? I believe that was, I think, I, and I believe he got um, Ariel Reboiris, okay. Alderman. I, I'm pretty sure. Wow, I don't remember that. I, I'm all. just, this is just, and, and I don't remember if there was another person there. But but then, while they were just starting this press yeah, conference. Danny Solis. Danny Solis walks <laughs> Wearing in. Wearing a wire, by the way. I'm sure it was, too, wait, no, this is before wire. This is before wire. Uh, it was been 2011. So three years before young Daniel was wearing the wire, he, went, he showed up to say what? He showed up to basically uh, offer his own proposal yeah. to decriminalize marijuana. Yeah, and that, that was an attempt, in my humble opinion, by Mayor Rahm to steal this issue, uh, which was, you know, make it, it's, it's, this, now we're going to switch off to my other one of favorite topics, Mayor Rahm. And uh, <laughs> it didn't take much, did it, Mick? Uh, Mayor Rahm is exhibit A of the kind of cautious, uh, cowardly Democratic politician that I was just alluding to. Feel free to vigorously disagree with me if you want. Uh, that there's, they don't want to go too far ahead of the curve. They don't want to get too far ahead that they, they might be exposed. They're always worried about a swing voter that's probably made up in their mind or based on a, a survey done by David Axelrod. And so he had decided that it was too, it was too dangerous to be too pro-marijuana, even though in my humble opinion, he would have really advanced his political cause had he taken this a strong stance for uh, legalization. Right then and there, he would have owned the issue. But it, in fact, it was when he ran for re-election, as you remember, in 2014, when he announced he was vehemently against the legalization That's of marijuana. That's right. And but uh, because of all the articles that uh, you and I have been writing and then the Sun Times picked up on it uh, after that, th there was a sort of a growing movement toward at least addressing the inequities of all these arrests, which is so blatantly unfair. Black people getting arrested for something. That but, white people. but that wasn't what that wasn't what swung the pendulum that in my view, the story we did that. Um, that changed the politics at city hall was about the amount of resources spent on You're the arrest right. and the prosecution. We, right. we, we did a sort of, it was a little more than a back of the napkin calculation, but we, we, we put out some guesstimates basically of how many police hours and how much, uh, in, in monetary expense, the prosecution of just misdemeanor marijuana stuff. And, 
we called it the, I forget how many million dollars we, but it was the, the, the whatever million dollar bag. I don't even remember what the number was anymore. <laughs> yeah, ben. it was a long time um, ago, Mick. But at the time, uh, then as, as now, unfortunately, the city wrestling with the public health crisis of gun violence, uh, we kept writing about the policing issue. And the policing issue, I think, was what turned turn the... Uh, turn things around politically in the city of Chicago, because eventually uh, the mayor did put forth his own ticketing as opposed to uh, arresting everybody yeah. proposal. Um, we could have a whole other discussion about how well that worked or didn't work and the disparities and who was ticketed and who wasn't and, and so on. But the bottom line was uh, eventually the mayor decided this was in his political interest yeah. to propose this um, kind of tepid, uh, decriminalization plan, but mm -hmm. we only got there after we started talking about police resources. Yes, you're absolutely correct. And uh, I remember Tony Prokwinkle saying this to us uh, in one of our interviews with her, and I'm doing my best to paraphrase a conversation from eight or nine years ago, but she was saying, uh, she was saying that there was a moral imperative here uh, to uh, deal with the inequities where uh, black people were getting arrested for something that white people do, but she didn't think that that would sell politically. Right, you cannot advance something as, as horrendous as this to to say, Mick, that uh, making the argument that this is unfair would not advance it as much as if you made the argument that one, it's costing money in uh, your it's costing your tax dollars. Remember her talking right. about it in this way, and or two, if you if you legalize it, we didn't even get to this point yet. They were we weren't even at legalization yet. We were just talking about how whether you're going to throw people in the prison or into jail for it right as opposed to ticketing them that's for right it. well yeah first of all the name of the story if anyone wants to go back in time a little bit and and revisit the year 2011 the 78 million dollar bag Very good. we we yeah. uh we estimated that it would that it cost um cook county about 78 million dollars which i think is probably a low figure but we threw it out there no one had a better one okay <laughs> what had anyone yeah and and we there was a methodology to how we came up with this um but in uh, no that, it wasn't mick just took a uh he took a, a dart and threw it at the board and while, guys, in, while incredibly stoned of course <laughs> while listening to old led zeppelin albums that's right um <laughs> but I remember we even mentioned in that we in that story we quoted uh, oh, John Fritchie yeah. and uh, we we the way we phrased it was um, Fritchie is is even starting to talk about the L word yeah legalization yeah. we called it the L word yeah. because that was our way of sort of joking about the fact nobody even wanted to mention it oh, yeah, so you no. had to call it the L word yeah uh, nobody wanted to mention no it's it uh, yeah all these old members but it, uh, another old Mick is being way too modest all these stories that we did back in the day when we came to the heavy numbers those were Mick Dumkey number crunching folks and he would <laughs> he would be like up all night with these bizarre tables that he was putting together crunching numbers <laughs> i think this one works ben and you know and i've been like okay uh and my, i was more of like let's get it into a story now hurry up sure, move it along sure. mick but no 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 i gotta crunch a few more numbers here obsessively crunching numbers and now like when i when i look back on it who was gonna prove us wrong you know uh, technically mick it was only 70 million not 78 million <laughs> Uh, but it was a total waste of money. I remember one kid telling me at the bowling alley, his name will not be mentioned, a white guy. And he said he was, he objected. 
uh, he's we, we were it looked like we we're uh, finally going to accomplish some goal uh, with the uh, decriminalization, so we're going to ticket it. And he his argument, which he made, uh, it was that um, as a white person, he objected because there was no penalty whatsoever uh, right. to smoking marijuana now, and uh, because of us. Because of you, Ben, that's what he said, he, you weren't there. Uh, I can now potentially be ticketed. So thanks a lot for nothing. This was his response. <laughs> yeah. A very telling response. And, and a, a, uh, the analysis behind it was spot on. Yeah. Although, as it turned out, he needn't have worried because um, <laughs> right. almost no one was ticketed at all. They hardly used tickets. But uh, even when they did, black people were still, still ticketed he, more often than in, white people. In fact... Uh, this was, oh, I wouldn't nuts over this because around this time that we were doing this, uh, my daughters were discovering the, the, the pleasures of Lollapalooza, which was an event <laughs> I never followed, never paid any attention to, not liking any of the music that they play there because uh, they don't usually play stuff be, that came out before 1980. Uh, and so... Uh, 1973, the best year in rock and roll in Ben Jarrett. Yeah, in 71 guys. for McDonald's. I say 71. Uh, and Dennis weighs in at 74. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, 78, pretty good. Uh, 78, great year for Dr. D. But uh, anyway, so I was, I would quiz my kids. Are people smoking marijuana at Lollapalooza? Of course they're smoking marijuana. It's like an open, and somehow or other, city's looking the other way. But remember, there were arrest records. I mean, we, I think we dug out the ticketing around Lollapalooza. Well, they time. started the ticketing, I think, that week of Lollapalooza that year. Yeah. It was either Lollapalooza or Pitchfork, or there was some festival. And so, we were like, well, let's see how the ticketing goes around there. <laughs> and guess who didn't get ticketed? The people at Lollapalooza. Yeah, that was yeah. amazing. So, so. Uh, so the inconsistencies, the hypocrisies of the war on drugs uh, through reefer and finally, it, and, and Mick, the resistance was almost non-existent. It was like people- By the end. By yeah. the end. Like people, the, uh, yes, by the end. But people, like, you know, it's like you're afraid to go in the water because it's going to be too cold and you stick your toe in. Oh, it's not so bad. And next thing you know, the whole Democratic Party is yeah. in the water. That's funny. The analogy I was thinking was from the uh, cinematic classic Fletch when uh, (laughs) Chevy Chase Chase as Fletch is talking about uh, is faking his way through a conversation and um, said, oh, I heard so-and-so died suddenly. And uh, the person he's talking to says he was in intensive care for six weeks. And (laughs) Fletch says, but the end, the end was very sudden. So I think about, you know, the end was very sudden. But, yeah, it took a long time. And a lot of of people worked very hard uh, to to get this through. Let's give Casey a shout out. Casey, uh, Kelly And and there's going to be sticking points going forward. I I do think that there are a lot of... um, legitimate questions about what to do about impaired driving, how you're going to measure that, how you're going to try to uh, prevent it and and so forth and so on. So um, with all these things, when they pass the legislation, it's a, it's a great benchmark. It's a historical moment, but um, what comes next? Who's going to get all the, who's going to make the money off this thing? I can guarantee you uh, it'll be the well-to-do will make the money. The hypocrisy, the double standards will continue. We couldn't eradicate all that. I will point out, this is one of my favorite things to note. I wrote a column about it. I've talked about it so much in the show, and I'll probably talk about it Tuesday at the hideout. The, The contrast between the anguishing and the breast beating uh, over the marijuana bill and the guy getting up there with the egg in the frying pan. I don't know if you saw that. I, I love that. talking about that. Like this is the adolescent brain on marijuana. And then the rapidity 
of the gambling bill, this 800-page monstrosity that's going to turn Illinois into the next Vegas. Right. It just rushes through. And you know nobody read that bill, Mick. And who had time they, to read who it? Who time to read it? Uh, and... Gambling is, in my humble opinion, you know, I like to, I like to, we'll probably do this at the hideout. Let's uh, rate the vices. I put uh, gambling ahead of marijuana as um, destructive a force uh, in the lives of the people who do it or get caught up in it. Uh, I actually put alcohol ahead of marijuana. Uh, I would put tobacco ahead of marijuana. And yet, you know, just, the marijuana is still anguishing over that, but the, the gambling bill rushes right through, Mick. Just just zips through. I think it was overnight. It was uh, Saturday. They had they, they were saying, well, we don't know if we're going to do it. And all of a sudden, Sunday night, it had passed. Right. You know, and Republicans supported it. They got bipartisan support. It's very curious. Do you have any thoughts on that? The- well, I, I just, I don't disagree with you. I mean... Um- one of my colleagues, Jason Grotto, has been writing a lot about gambling and uh, video gambling, the way it's set up, some of the implications, the uh, um, the dishonesty, or at least the uh, lack of um, the lack of investigation into the consequences of setting up all the all this these gambling options all over the state. Uh, it's interesting because in Chicago, we're in a little bit of a bubble because there hasn't been video gambling. Um, and you cross over the border. If you, I, I was a couple of weeks ago going to uh, an event in um, Berwyn and it's like you cross right out of the, right into the Berwyn city limits, right there in the corner, there's a video gambling place. So there's already a lot of, of this stuff spreading around, but my shop and, and, and Jason, some of his work, they pointed out the size of the bill, the speed, and and even some people who follow politics are like, what, is the bill supposed to be simple? Is it supposed to be a few number of pages? As if the outrage was over the sheer number of pages of the bill. That's not the problem. The problem is, you know, um, you get war and peace today. I don't think you've digested it by yeah. tomorrow. No, and, and this is like more complicated than war and peace. Well, here's the thing. Uh, it, it, what triggered it was when you said uh, that there w- there's still going to be um, uh, problems with the legalizing marijuana. And then you pointed out uh, driving impaired. And, uh, and, and so it, I don't deny that there's going to be uh, problems that are going to be a, a result of legalizing marijuana. And there'll be issues that we're going to have to grapple with. I mean, it's called life. It's existence. I agree. And yeah. I'm saying let's grapple let's with Let's grapple yeah. with them. It's better where we are. Let's to grapple talk with about them. Yeah. Let's be open. Yeah. Let's grapple with them. Let's but, come up with solutions. Yeah. But I just like to just always contrast. Like, I don't ever anybody other than Jason Carrado and Danny Mahopoulos right. talking about the ramifications of just openly expanding gambling throughout this thing. You know what I mean? One, oh, there's a serious problem when you legalize marijuana. We're going to have to do the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. Well, what about the gambling? Right. What about the liquor? What about the cigarettes? You know? And uh, it's just, it's the, some things die hard, Mick. You know, that resistance. Hey, Toy Hutchinson was on the show the other day. She gave a, a state senator a great le- lecture, went back in time about, you know, how this is linked to racism and uh, that marijuana is, was, quote unquote, the black drug. And uh, I think she had, she made some very uh important points there and so it's just a hard thing to drop you know yeah i thought marijuana was um primarily seen as the mexican drug way back in the day mm-hmm. um they used to call it marijuana mm-hmm. uh, they would even spell it like that and um 
And then cocaine was supposed to be this drug that gave um, black men superpowers that were very dangerous and frightening. And if you go back into the very early war, early days of the, the drug war, the origins of the modern drug war, you see this kind of imagery around. It's sort of like uh, these are drugs that will um, really unleash these forces of perversion and danger um, in in black and brown people. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, we sort of ended up internalizing that or modernizing that. Um, and so all that is to say, Ben, um, here we are a few years later and this legislation is passed. They are going to, uh, it opens the way basically to dismiss, uh, potentially hundreds of thousands to erase hundreds of thousands of arrests off people's records. There's a process where people can get clemency for convictions. Uh, so, um, let alone the, the business side of it, which is supposedly going to be open to at least uh, a number of, of people who want to be entrepreneurs in areas that have been hit hard by the drug mm -hmm. war. So on paper, at least, it seems to be a landmark moment. And um, I'm just warning everybody, nothing goes smoothly. We, are, we, all, <laughs> we all have to keep, and this is Illinois, we have to keep close watch yeah, on it, yeah. but let's recognize it as the historical moment that it is. Absolutely. All right. And I knew we'd end up spending so much time talking about where I have the whole of marijuana. I have a whole list of things to talk about. We're pretty much out of time. So let's just uh, close because I want to tease folks. A lot of the things on this list we'll be talking about at the hideout. That's right. All this corruption stuff in the Chicago, the never ending corruption in Chicago, property taxes going up in the city of Chicago. Uh, this, that, and the other thing. But I do want to close by talking about uh, South Bend, Indiana. And uh, I've recently discovered South Bend as a, a phenomenon uh, because, of course, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, the mayor of South Bend, is a candidate for president. I brought in uh, Henry Davis to come, who's a councilman uh, in South Bend who ran for mayor against uh, Mayor Pete back in 2015, I want to say. Uh, and he really opened my eyes, Mick, uh, to the tense race relations in South Bend. I'm a little apologetic about my utter ignorance about South Bend. I didn't even know they had a significant, I didn't know, they, like, I, as I told uh, uh, Davis, I didn't even know that black people lived in South Bend. And then he explained the whole history that there's a South Side in, in, in South Bend and there's a, a ward that. Um, I believe there's actually a West Side in South Bend as well. I mean, but, yeah. A, a black neighborhood that's on the West Side. Correct. Of, Okay. Yeah. Uh, and some very egregious uh, re race relations, uh, particularly regarding the police uh, and the black community in South Bend. And Pete Buttigieg has, let put it mildly, um, not done a great job, in my humble opinion, based on the, not just what uh, uh, Henry Davis told me, but um, on, on news stories that have come out in dealing with some of the tensions and the issues of South Bend. You have a little history at South Bend. You're from that neck. A little area. bit. I grew up about 30 miles away um, across the border in Michigan. And um, South Bend was the uh, was and is the closest city to um, the group of small towns where I grew up. And so it was um, a relatively common place to go. Uh, in high school, for instance, my uh, friends and I would... Um, you know, kind of tell our parents we were doing one thing and then drive down to South Bend to go to uh, the record stores. There were, there were record stores back then in <laughs> South Bend. Now there were some in my town yeah. too. Even my town had record stores in the eighties, but uh, there was a, uh, there were a couple pretty cool ones in South Bend and it was um, 
not a big city by uh, obviously by Chicago standards, but I want to say there were, I think there were like a hundred thousand or more people in South Bend, plus a couple of the neighboring towns, Mishawaka, um, the Notre Dame campus is, I believe technically uh, it has a South Bend mailing address, although I think it's technically a, a, it's separate entity. Uh, but the point is that, you know, this is a small urban area, um, not on the scale of big city, but it's, it's a, it's a city nonetheless. So spend a little time there. Um, as a, uh, as a high school aspiring athlete, we competed there, you know, um, uh, when I was playing football, we were in the playoffs. We actually went to Notre Dame and practiced. Wait, one time at their you were in the football team? I have a high I school letter in football, Ben. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah. I thought you were a swimmer. I was a swimmer, and we competed against the South Bend High Schools in swimming. You, and you were a varsity football player? I was, yeah. What position did you play? I played receiver and defensive back, yeah. I did not know that. And, and probably uh, destroyed part of my brain. Uh, did you run back punts? Uh, I mean, I practiced at it. I, then I was, we had a good team and I was not a starter to say the least. So I rode the, I played through my junior year. I rode the pines. Um, but yeah, we were, um, you know, we, my, my class, this is total side note, but my class never lost a regular season football game from seventh grade through 12th grade. Okay. Um, (laughs) lost in the playoffs uh, a couple of times. Um, but, uh, um, but anyway, um, so yeah, have some familiarity with South Bend visiting. Were you aware of the, the racial tensions in South Bend or is that something that well, just... you have to understand, I came from a, a small town, um, who, the neighboring small town, the small town I came from is mostly to this day, mostly white. The town next door is mostly black. So we had our own racial tensions. Um, I would say this is pretty common. I think a lot of people in Chicago might not realize this is pretty common in Rust Belt communities, uh, you know, large and small. And so that the town I grew up in only had about 10,000 residents. The town next door when I was growing up had more, but I think it's, it's uh, lost a lot of population much as Chicago has. And you could say the same thing about the history of the Gary area. You could say the same thing about the history of Indianapolis. You could say the same thing about South Bend, Mm -hmm. Milwaukee, Detroit, all these places um, have some commonalities. So uh, I knew a little bit about South Bend and just like um, Chicago and some of these other towns, it had once been an industrial powerhouse. It was the home of the Studebaker um, company, which made you know, automobiles among other things, um, and then had a decline. The reason most people have never heard of Studebaker because it died and mm. it took a lot of jobs with it when it went belly on up. And so by the time, you know, I was a kid or a teenager, um, South Bend was, was struggling through the, you know, the waves of, of job losses that, that followed all that. And that would just aggravate these tensions because when the, when the jobs are hard to come by, uh, there's always a tendency, well, there's cr- crime goes up. There's a tendency to blame somebody else. Uh, and, uh, I, I, I do know that the last, uh, three years in particular, four or five years in South Bend, uh, the number of conflicts between the police, uh, and black residents, it seemed to be on the rise. And uh, very similar stuff to what's happening here in the city of Chicago and uh, an uncertainty uh, on the part of the leadership as to just how to deal with that. That's right. And and, um, ProPublica, the place I work in conjunction with the South Bend Tribune, um, did a series earlier this year about um, some 
wrongful cases, uh, you know, convictions and um, some policing problems in South Bend, some really fine reporting. So if people are interested in more of the backstory, they should they should seek that out. And yet Pete Buttigieg felt that his tenure, this is the part that, I, that strikes me, that his tenure as the mayor of South Bend, this, what, what, he has a, a, a little phrase, like the city that works or something. After that's, I don't know what the phrase is, uh, was enough to have him uh, be a candidate uh, for the presidential nomination on the Democratic side. Uh, he got off to a great start, became a phenomenon. He uh, rose in the polls. He was at one point like 8 or uh, close to 10%, I think, in, in Iowa, raised a lot of money. And now, boom, Mick, in the last, it's like two weeks, people have discovered that there's this issue in South Bend involving black people and how anybody could think he's going to be the presidential nominee of the Democratic Party without the support of black voters is pretty mind-boggling in my in my mind. And I'm wondering how he's going to get out of this. Well, I agree with that point. I mean, um, but I will say that uh, I haven't spent that much time in South Bend the last few years. Um, the last time I was there was actually for a, a Notre Dame game. I went through it. See, uh, Northwestern upset Notre Dame. <laughs> Got to throw that out there, everybody. Wait, time um, out. That was recently? It wasn't, was that the 1995? No, they, they won again. They, they won at, no, that was that game you're talking about, 95, was at Soldier Field, I believe. No, no, that was at Notre Dame Stadium. Yeah, you're right. it was at Notre Dame. They Gary got Barnett. beat at Soldier Field. Then they, they won at Notre Dame Stadium. Then uh, four or five years ago, right. they won at Notre Dame Stadium over the Brian Kelly coached Irish. Um, and then Notre Dame uh nipped us last fall up in Evanston. But um, my point is neither you nor I have spent a lot of time there. I'm not going to say that nothing has gotten better under Mayor Pete, but um, it definitely is an example of how someone can go off to the races versus uh, on social media and in perception when there are unreported parts of the story. And I will say that is why the news media, uh, good investigative reporting uh, is as important today as it ever was. I'm going to end it on that. Uh, And uh, so I will be very eagerly watching the debate tonight. Uh, Mayor Pete, that'll be one of the sideshows of tonight's debate. And as I speak tonight, that is uh, Thursday night. Mick and I will be at the hideout on Tuesday, 6.30 uh, for our first Tuesday show, and we could probably be talking about the debate. I'm sure that's one of the topics uh, that people want to talk about. The, we, the I'm sure we will be uh, talking about the debates and then what comes next. Yes, right? absolutely. All right, that's no it. guests, just no, you guys, just the two of us. And you know, the, the way the way I've been saying this, guys, you know who our guests are? Our audience. We've got guests. Hopefully, we'll have. Uh, you know, a hundred of them, more than a hundred, fill the place. Fill the place um, up. You are our guests. Those of you who are interested in coming and uh, we'll work you into the conversation. So please join us. Very good. That's Tuesday at the hideout. Take care, everybody. Oh, just two of us. Okay. All right. I see the crystal raindrops fall and the beauty of it all is when the sun comes shining through. To make those rainbows in my mind When I think of you sometime And I want to spend some time with you Just the two of us